Yeah, baby. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of the Angry Divas Radio Show. I am your host with the most, the triple dark goddess, also known as the Diva of Fire. That's right. Y'all know what time it is? It is time for the Angry Divas Radio Show. Today we are going to be talking about toxic masculinity. And I have a friend of mine here with me today. Well, I'd like to call him a friend. He's not done anything to, you know, warrant me to look at him as an enemy. So as of right now, you are kindly being considered a friend. Don't fuck that up for yourself. Don Calypso is in the house. (laughs) We appreciate him being here with us. He's going to weigh in with me about this toxic masculinity, and he's going to try very hard to keep to the topic. Um, and not branch off into the wounded feminine, which he will be back, and we will be discussing the wounded feminine and how uh, both of us can get our acts together, both the masculine and the feminine, to get back into divinity. Thank you. All right. So before I go on, because y'all know what I'll do, is I'll get started talking, and then it'll be like 12 minutes left, and I'll be like, oh, shit, I forgot to open the mic. Let me go ahead and do that. Let's bring in our co-host, Don Calypso. Welcome to the show, honey. How are you doing tonight, today? Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, as I told you in our little private conversation, I am not in the best of shape. Uh, my little one gave me a really nasty cold, and both myself and her mother were in pretty bad shape, and she's already recovered just fine. But I'm hanging in there. <laughs> she didn't she did sacrifice y'all like, nope. Tag, you're it. I'm done. Exactly. <laughs> Let me send you the name of this um, inhaler thing real quick since I'm thinking about it right now. Because um, I just got over this myself. Ben, what is this? Ben the Dex. Drake. Yeah, I'm going to need it because it's, it's hard, especially with my, kind, with my job, uh, working with the, you know, Clinical blood samples and stuff. You can't be all kinds of sick and stuff. That's thing. Hell, right? <laughs> you yep. have to be well doing that. You can't be messing with cells, unwell and unhealed. No, <laughs> no, you can't. I know. <laughs> well, let me open up um, another caller. Four seven eight five zero one. Welcome to the show, y'all. With Angry Diva and Don Calypso today. Hey. How you feeling? Hey, I'm good, What's up, baby? <laughs> Not in How you doing, love? <laughs> I am doing just great, thank you. I don't know why I didn't recognize the number, but yeah, I'm doing great. I uh, I'm excited to talk about today's topic um, because I want to hit on it from a couple of different perspectives. And what I want to say, offering to everybody who's listening and to everybody who might call in, we are not here to bash anybody. All right. Now, with that being said, we are going to talk about the negative aspect of masculinity, the toxic iterations and emanations of masculinity, and what it ends up doing to our lives as women and as men to encounter these brutes and these beasts who don't want to grow, right? But we are not here to bash. Put that out there. I'm not tolerating it. I'm not in the mood, okay? I said that on my page today, well, on my Facebook page, not my fan page that Angry Divas is the only black female-run page right now that is not using anti-black male sentiment for clickbait and like fodder. We're the only ones not doing it. 
everybody else is out here. I mean, I didn't seen it. It's all day long, all day strong, and I'm watching all of the sisters who are on my friends list, and I'm like, oh, that's what arouses you. Mm-hmm. Black women, we don't want to hear what we need to hear and what we need to know to grow and to have better lives. We want to keep feeding on dead shit that doesn't grow you because it turns yeah. you on to talk about that ain't shit black Negro. Turns you the fuck on and wets your pussy. So we're here. Interesting for those choice of words. Who get off on that today? All right, I'm not here for it. I am far more focused. Thank you. My words are always powerful. I am far more focused on your growth, on your healing, and on your wellness. And you cannot be God. I need everybody to mute their background real quick. Let me mute everybody because the little noise is the shit. I just I have a sensitive ear. Okay. You cannot be God putting your power in someone else's hands. You can blame this one and blame that one and blame the other one and blame the other one, but it's never going to cause you to stand up and be God. And I know that this is something that's difficult for a lot of black women to do and to hear because we almost are never heard when we talk about the negative things that we have encountered. We're almost always castigated as bitter or unhealed or wounded or a man-hater or some the fuck thing to shut us up and to silence us from telling the truth, the hard truth, the unpleasant truth about toxic masculinity and its impact on our lives as women and as the living goddess personified. So tonight we're going to come together and we're going to define toxic masculinity. And now let me open everybody's mics back up. What I was saying to Don Calypso when we had our little conversation before the show is that we have two words here, toxic and masculine. And we know what both of those words mean as they stand alone. But what I want us to do is to begin to describe and define what toxic masculinity means to us. This is not an argument. We're defining and we're creating something here so we know what we don't want to deal with, so we know the signs, the symptoms, and all of that, and we can go into really manifesting, first of all, cultivating an inherent relationship to the divine masculine in you. And then also, because of that inherent relationship between your divine femininity and your divine masculinity, being able to have a conversation or an engagement or whatever the case might be with your counterpart. That's not fucked up. So, the floor is open, and I would like for us to discuss toxic masculinity. Um, And if we need, I do have a lead story to give an example, but just let me know. And anybody who wants to call in, 347-826-9930. The floor is open. Well, I will let the ladies go first. uh, How would you let guys define what you think is toxic masculinity? I was going to say chivalry ain't dead, but I see now you're trying to lead off of what we say. But that's all right. So (laughs) So here's what I think about it. I have an example. And um, this is because I didn't watch the show. I've never actually seen the show. I'm going to put that out there for the record. Um, But I have seen a lot of people talking about this today. So Reverend Run and Tyrese Ass have a show called It's Not You, It's Men or something like that. And I see we have another caller. All ones, welcome to the show. Your mic is open. How are you doing today? All ones going once. 
probably somebody calling from Skype or something online. It's all a one block, mic it's is a open. block caller. Block caller. A block caller. Yeah. Well, block caller, your mic is open, all one. Go once, twice, thrice. I'm going to mute you back. You just came to listen. That's fine. So, basically, the thing that's all the rage right now is Reverend Run and Tyrese having this show. And they got Amber Rose on the show. And they're talking about the way that women dress and whether or not men are going to respect you based on how you dress. And one of the things that Reverend Run said, which logically it makes a whole lot of sense, if you just think of it in the spirit it's given and you give no greater thought and you don't actually analyze it, you don't use your head for more than a hat rack or a wig cap, it sounds great. So here's what he said. He said that you should dress the way you want to be addressed. Off rip, that sounds good, right or wrong, to everybody who's listening. Sounds logical. Sounds logical, right? Sockets, how about you? Sounds logical. I don't know if she's still there. But one of the things that I was thinking about when I hear that is that this is an iteration of toxic masculinity, that it is only because the masculine has gotten to a toxic space that he would say something like this. Now, I also can see the dark masculine here, but that's not what I heard. I can see the potential for it, but that's not what I heard when I heard what Reverend was saying. What I heard is we are not going to protect women who sexually arouse us or turn us on. We have deemed those women as not being worthy of being treated like the full-fledged human beings that they are. This is a man code. This is how we act. This is who we are. This is not going to change. So if you want us to treat you with respect, you need to dress the way you want to be addressed. And the reason that I see that to be toxic is for me to turn around and say Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, Mike Brown, and I can name on and on and on, all of you black men who are dead, you should address the way you want it to be addressed. That sounds horrible, doesn't it? Don't that sound fucked up? Like the police absolutely had every right to shoot you dead because black men who dress like this are judged as thugs and it's righteous because you dress that way and if you didn't want to be shot the fuck down like an animal in the street, you should have had a three-piece suit and a damn bow tie on with some glasses or something. Suspenders, because you need to dress the way you want to be addressed. And in my final point, then I'm gonna open the floor back up. My final point is, during the lynching days, how did our people dress? They had on suits, they had on nice dresses. People were dressed to the nines. I remember them pictures from back in the day. Them days they dressed nice. Okay, black people looked good. Back in the day, I don't know what the fuck is going on now, but black people look good on a daily basis. My father would tell us stories about how his mother would get on him if he didn't have his shoes shined up and his pleats just right and his um, his crease in his pants just right. She would fuss at them because I'm not raising no ragamuffin nigger children. You go out here and you represent your family, you represent us well. Yet and still, my father's cousin was doused in gasoline and lit on fire. Why? Because some white man thought he was looking at a white woman. He just thought he was looking at a white woman. And he was dressed to the nines in a three-piece suit. He was dressed 
the way he wanted to be addressed, and yet this heinous thing still happened to him. Why? Because it has nothing to do with what you wear. It has everything to do with the sadism in the mind of the person you're engaging. I don't blame him for not wearing the right clothes for what happened to him. I don't even blame him. I don't know whether he did look or didn't look at the white woman. Whether he did or he didn't, it still did not warrant them to do what they did to him. But these are the stories, these are the scars that we bear because of we feed into this mind state, this respectability politic that has never in the history of the shit ever saved one life, ever. It has never, ever stopped a bullet. It's never stopped a guillotine. It ain't never stopped a whip. It ain't never stopped a noose. It ain't never stopped an attack dog. It has never stopped the hoses. None of this has ever served us, period. So I find this to be a toxicity, whether it's in the masculine or in the feminine. This is due to a toxicity in, in us, in our thinking, in the way we relate to one another, and the rationalizations we will give for the uncouth behavior of our demographic or our cohort so that we do not have to stand and be response-able for whatever goes on in our realm. Those are my thoughts on the topic. The floor is open. Let's all discuss. Could you define, you brought up something. You said the dark masculine. I never heard that term. Could you give a, just a quick definition of what differentiates oh, honey, what you, you call dark masculine versus? That's one, of, no. that's one of my creations. So you, you would not heard that unless it came from my mouth. Or somebody was parroting what I said, which a lot of people do, but they don't want to give me credit. But that's fine. The dark masculine. The dark masculine. How do we define it? Well, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about this in my classes. I'll give you guys a little snippet. Anyone who wants to know more, you are more than welcome to sign up for my class, Invoking the Divine Masculine. But the dark masculine, just an example, a response Hold on, I got to mute your calypso. I know you in there, you know, like clean it up and shit, but them little noises, I'm real sensitive to little sounds and shit. It just doesn't work for me. Um, the dark masculine, one of the roles of the dark masculine, say you got a nasty-ass bug in your house or a rodent or something, right, and you got a man around, you're going to have him go get it. Unless you just that, you the dark masculine yourself, that's fine. You might not need that, but that's just one um, example of the way that the dark masculine manifests, also the form of the fierce protector. I was watching, um, I almost said Westeros. That is not the name of the stupid show. Game of Thrones. I've been watching Game of Thrones, and I've been paying attention to the way that the dark masculine shows up. We talked about this a lot um, in the outset of the Angry Divas radio show when we used to have Scandal Fridays, and we used to have dark, divine, masculine bingo, right, see who was going to take the number one spot. And I think the last time we played this game, we said Papa Pope was the number one jock in the divine dark masculine. We had Melly on the list. We had Sally on the list. We had Jake on the list. Um, and, and we had Huck on the list. We had a couple of different people on the list, and they went up and down according to um, whatever happened that week, whatever their character got into that week. And we started to discuss the divine masculine based on archetypes and archetypal energies that we were seeing played on the big screen. Um, so that's just a quick foray, just a quick, quick example of the dark masculine. 
like I said, anyone who wants to know more, I do have a class that is called Invoking the Divine Masculine, and I get very much more so into detail with it. No, I'm not giving it to y'all for free. Sign up for the damn class. Now, <laughs> let me open the mic back up. All one, I'm going to open your mic, too. And everybody, please be mindful of your noise in the background so I don't have to keep muting y'all. Um, but all the mics are open. All right, well, since no one seems to be going, I'll go first and Don Calypso again. Um, now, again, like I told you in our little conversation prior to the show, I had only recently started hearing that term, you know, toxic masculinity, like being brought on YouTube. And it was always in reference to, you know, the whole issue, in, in, you know, with feminists describing, you know, anything that's typical male behavior as toxic masculinity. And, um, but... There is no so give me an example. Give me an example. Give me an example. What are you defining as typical male behavior? Or what were they okay, defining example, as typical male behavior? The fact that uh, not so much like not a guy cat calling women, but if a guy, you know, a man noticing a beautiful woman, she has a nice physique, and he turns out and looks like it's perceived as somehow that's toxic behavior. No, I mean, is it when he looks? Up, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because y'all don't tend to hear us when we talk. So is it when he looks or is it the way he looks? So we talk like, we know that the men are going to look. 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 All right? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The shit pisses me off. Why? Because for every dick-swinging one of you that walks past us in the street, every single last one of you damn near is going to be looking. And out of every one of you that is looking, not all of you are, but out of the ones that are looking, about 85 to 90% are giving you the disgusting, nasty man look that makes you want to karate chop his ass in the throat. So what kind of look are we talking about? Because, you know, some people are just sensitive. They don't want to be looked at at all. They'd like to be able to move through the world without having to suffer the male gaze. And I get that. Um, sorry. Suck it up, boo. It ain't never going nowhere. But I get why you feel that way. I get it. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, seems like any kind of look, if if it's not a man that they're attracted to, it's toxic. Like, now, if it's a guy they're attracted to, they find they find sexual appealing. It's different, but you know, oh, cool. we're kind of going <laughs> off track. But we're going off track. But the, the point is, seems like, or even even something like little boys. You know how little boys, when they play amongst themselves, boys tend to be a little more rough. You know. Boys like to play games where, you know, someone, you know, a king of the hill, where, where there's some kind of hierarchical structure, dominance, as opposed to everybody just go along to get along. It's seen as toxic. You know, little boys who have a hard time sitting still, listening to a teacher lecture on and on because they're more hands-on as far as learning, that's seen as toxic. Basically, anything that is not wow. typical women is perceived as toxic, which I think that's bullshit. Now, Based on our conversation, if we want to talk about toxic masculinity, I could relate it to uh, to this book a friend of mine has, the fellow BTR host, where he talks about four modes of communication, which you know, what he has, you know, modes one through four, you know, one being someone who's upfront and straightforward, which if you remember our very first interaction on Facebook, we were talking is it had to deal with when I talked about how if a man is upfront and straightforward with his intentions with a woman, not in a crude way, but just being upfront and honest, you know, 
there's that kind of behavior. Then there's what's called mode two, where which is what a lot of men are taught to be by their parents is the pleasant gentleman, where you're taught to do small talk, never to be straight up with your intentions, kind of beat around the bush. And then there's what's called mode three, which are guys who are afraid to speak their mind, be it dealing with women or just in any situation in life. You know, people who are afraid to be to be upfront and who sometimes have to resort to manipulation or have to resort to bragging about their job and their status to make themselves feel good. And then you have what's called mode four, which is what I would define as toxic masculinity. Guys who are mode four are the ones who have the seething anger and hatred for women. I mean, they're still attracted to women sexually, but they, they hate women. You know, what, what people call misogynist in the truest sense of the word, you know, I would consider that toxic masculinity. And you got a lot of guys out there who do have that mode four state of mind. Like, example we could give, um, you remember uh, that guy in Santa Barbara, this Elliot Rogers, whose father is a director for the Hunger Games, the Game of Thrones, who went around killing girls because he felt that he was a superior man and he wasn't getting the attention. That's toxic masculinity. That's a guy, you know, when you have people who feel that, who at a point where they have that hatred where if they can't get what they want, they're going to kill people, that's toxic masculinity. Now, I think in relations to dealing with the sexes, male-female relations, what happens is a lot of guys who have that mode two state of mind where they try to be the pleasant gentleman, do small talk, or the mode three guy who feels that he has to lead with his wallet and his career, his accomplishment, those guys – when they when that does not work for them, doesn't give them the results they want. Yeah, they can it can lead to toxic masculinity. But uh, simply a man being a man in that he finds a woman attractive and lets it be known. I don't think that in in and of itself is toxic, unless of course he's being disrespectful or you know guys who feel that they have every right to just grab him. Yeah, you could say that's toxic masculinity. But a man simply letting it be known that yes, he's attracted sexually, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't say, he doesn't like insult you. He just lets you know, hey, you know what? I am attracted to you, and I would like to get to know you on a casual basis. No, I'm not looking for something serious. That's not toxic. I don't know if I made any sense. You did. And I appreciate it. And what I want the sisters to really hone in on is men tend to deal with extremes. Um, and men tend to relate things in an extreme sense. Calypso, i got to mute you really quick because I'm getting some noise, okay? Just a heads up. Oh, that's not you. Who the hell is that with the noise? I'm going to mute everybody. Everybody's going on damn mute. Okay, great. Thank you. Can't hear myself think. Okay. Men tend to think in extremes, and what we tend to do is feel like they're trying to get out of seeing the point, and that's, that's not always the case. So when they're dealing with something, when they're hearing toxic masculinity, he's literally thinking worst-case scenario. So your rapers, your murderers, that is what they're defining as toxic masculinity. Good job, boys. That's the obvious definition of toxic masculinity. That is that takes absolutely no work at all to define that as toxic. 
Of course, it is toxic for a man to think that he's entitled to some pussy and go on a murderous rampage where he just kills women indiscriminately because nobody fucks him. Of course, that is toxic. That's easy. That's why I gave an example that was a little bit more loaded. That's why I defined Tyrese and Reverend Runs dressed the way you want to be addressed as toxic masculinity itself. And what I'm going to do is ask that we now build from that example because it's, we can sit here and talk about all of the glaring examples of the masculine in a toxic or diminished form. But the way that the masculine is diminished in a less nuanced way, it's not quite so easy to recognize. This is a diminished and toxic masculine response to women's needs. It's on you, woman, to change how you dress because we are not going to check our brothers. Even though in countries where women wear burqas, men are still horrible, vile, rapists, and abusers, we are going to prescribe this to you because it is easier for us to tell you what you should do than for us to stand the hell up and be the divine masculine, even the dark divine masculine, because the dark masculine would then go around checking and nut-checking these manimals. We don't have many dark masculines, especially not in the black race. We don't have a lot of dark masculinity. The warrior, the warrior. Now, a lot of men say that they go to war for the women that they own, which would be their daughters and their wives, but they're not willing to go to war for women, period. They're not willing to say, yeah, you know what, you should have the right to exist in the world exactly as you are. You should have the right to walk down the street and be safe. And we, as the patriarch, are going to create that world for you. It's a lot easier to put it off on the woman than to stand up in that patriarchal position and be Father Abraham. How many Father Abraham patriarchs do we have? Not many. See, I would respect the patriarchy if y'all actually stood up and did what you say you're supposed to be. If the patriarchy was actually a masculine protector the way it's supposed to be, I would have no problem with it. But unfortunately, what we have is a code and a culture where the penis is centralized. And men do relate to the world the way they relate to their penis with power being domination and control and often manipulation. I hate to do this, but I'm going to say it. Not all of them. You know, you got to suck the dick a little bit when you're talking about the men. They'll lose their fucking minds. <laughs> and the sisters will lose their minds, too, if you don't suckle the dick a little bit. When <laughs> you're talking about it, you got to do a little something, something. Okay? So let me lick it real quick and let you know, not all of them. But far too many and far too often is this the reaction and the response. I remember having this conversation with one of my masculines, and I was talking to him about it, and I said, I hear both the dark masculine and the diminished masculine in you when you talk about women's responsibility. Yes, we are responsible. We are. It's my job to keep myself safe. It's no one else's but to live in a world where men are supposed to be the protectors, they're supposed to be providing some sustenance, some of your needs, one of those most primal needs, one of the primary needs that women have is security. 
to be able to move through the world in a secure way, to know that when there are harms done against us, that the, the men will rally to our aid and not say, well, what were you wearing? Well, did you fuck him before? Well, how did you react? How did you reject him? Maybe he wouldn't have murdered his mother and, and the wife of his children, um, the, the mother of his children and his wife, if she didn't put him on child support. You know, it's always something that puts the onus back on women, where it almost ends up seeming like what the toxic masculine is trying to say is, it is inherently your fault for choosing to relate to a person who is male, period. Because there's almost no way, if we're going to define what is toxic and diminished masculinity based on extremes, there's almost no way to recognize these little flags, these little red flags that pop up over time. And the moment we begin to discuss them, it's, well, what about this and what about that? It's always something to poke holes and to defer the focus from being on women being centered, being empowered, being supported, and being, you know, believed when some shit happens to us. No black woman said black men got to stop sagging their fucking pants and put hoodies, stop putting hoodies on for us to do Black Lives Matter protests and hands up, don't shoot, and all of that. I have yet to see the men get off their asses and stand in the divine masculine for us. And we will never see it because the divine masculine presence is very slim to none. We have far more diminished masculines and toxic masculines than we do divine masculines, whether they be of the dark or the light. I'm going to open the call lines back up. Salkis, I would like to actually hear from you, sis, on this, if you have a quick minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, 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 I don't I don't know. This this topic I'm really kinda conflicted about. I I get your point about um you know, the assumption that we are not we we're we're not supposed to be protected um because we look a certain way and, and you know, our our value is a, a nothing because we're we're present presenting ourselves a certain way and that is de- definitely wrong. And their reasoning for it and the excuses that are made for it and how they support each other in that. And it's just like everything, I think everything in society supports that attitude. And I don't know, I, I think it's, it's a mm-hmm. subconscious thing. I don't even think uh, uh, the average man is even conscious of what they're even thinking about. I don't think he's conscious uh, either. I don't think they're consciously I, aware of it. No, I, no, because really the don't. whole structure, you know, from their jobs, the education system, the jobs, the family, I don't think there's any area of their lives that, that in some way isn't um, influenced by this thought of what they need to be to assert themselves and, you know, to be the head and over women and all that kind of stuff. I think every, from religion to, to I mean, there's no, there's no stone turn when it comes to that. And I think it's really a subconscious thing with them. I think they really think they're doing something noble by by making statements like that, that, you know, women should respect themselves and, you know, that, that sort of thing. But it's like you're also saying that I deserve 
because I look a particular way, I deserve right. to be mistreat, mistreated and and violated too. And there's something depraved and wrong with that. With that, of course. And then on the other side of that, with women, you know, we we know our intentions when we put things on. We know what we're invoking. We know what we want to invite, uh, and what we're attracting with that. We you know we know we we premeditate. We we know exactly what we do and what yeah. We, what it's we not attract. in ignorance. Nope. No, it's it's de- it's definitely not. On our on our end at this point, and I know I I mean I personally like to dress sexy. I don't consider myself, you know, really really out there. I have moments where you know it's yeah I, I turn up a little bit, but it's always I never go I never reach a peak, you know, because I I know what it, it what it will invite, and I don't want to fight, and I don't want to fight with that kind of uh, animal energy. I play around with it and I dance with it because sometimes as a woman I want to play with it. But I know there's a certain level where you're going to bring out the beast in people and I I don't want to be bothered with that. So I I don't know. It's just... It's a toss-up between between that, but we're fighting a big beast when it comes to this uh, masculine, you know, low masculine energy here. And, And you have to totally dismantle every aspect of his life. The indoctrination from his parents come all the way up uh, to really even, you know, turn turn that around. I, I do understand what Ron and them were saying it because I have daughters, and I tell her I have a 22-year-old, and, you know, and I, she, she doesn't dress provocatively, but, you know, if she if she would or wanted to, I, you know, I'd, I'd ask her if you're ready to handle what you're going to bring with that. Because uh, there's an energy that's coming with that, and if you're not mentally in the space to handle that, then don't do it. Then really, really don't do it. We have women who are really aggressive and mm-hmm. you know they're mentally strong, and they they could handle that kind of friction and the and the comeback that comes from being provocatively dressed. And then there's those of us that you know that's that's not our lane. We try to do it, and it ain't our lane. And then stuff winds up getting real real funky and jacked up. So we also have to know where where we are, you know, our emotional intelligence, uh, what level we're at with all of that. And, you know, it's... Really quick, Sokka, something you're saying, it just triggered this memory for me. Uh, She just announced it. We've got 90 seconds before we go into overtime, everybody. If you do not call in, it's going to cut you out. You're not going to be able to hear the show. So three four seven eight two six nine nine three zero number again three four seven eight two six nine nine three zero. We got ninety seconds and counting before we're in overtime. This is my only announcement on that. Now, while Salkis was talking, it got me to thinking about um, you know some ex- some experiences that I've had. I don't dress particularly provocative. Um, I have a an hourglass form. So whatever I wear is going to end up looking provocative. So I really don't need to get nothing extra going on. Um, And so I'm just remembering a couple of examples. Example one, I'm wearing overalls, denim, Oshkosh Bagash overalls. I'm a freshman in high school. I'm on my way to school. There's some asshole on the bus who decides he's going to pinch my ass. And every time I get on that bus, the hand finds its way to my ass, and I'm never quite able to see on this crowded bus who that hand belongs to. 
So one day, because I was sick and tired of being sick and fucking tired, and all I'm trying to do is go to damn school, I decided to take a safety pin. You know one of them old school diaper pins? Mm-hmm. And I sharpened that bitch up on a brick. We had these brick art in my kitchen. We're officially in overtime. We had these brick archways in our kitchen in my home. So I sharpened it up on the brick, and I stuck it into my belt loop. So the next time I'm on this bus, what I was able to do is unpin. Oh, we lost Alcus. I'm sorry that we lost her. We won't be here long. I unpinned the safety pin and stuck it into the hand. And that's how I was able to find out which one of these sadistic-ass men it was on this bus that was using the crowdedness of the bus to take advantage of a child. I want to talk about how men, how the toxic and diminished masculine is a predator. I don't think that even the divine masculine is able to really comprehend the sadism that is the mind of his toxic and diminished masculine brother, the kind of situation that he looks for to be able to enact his predatory nature. That's one example. Another example, I'm a grown-ass woman now. I'm on my way to see my spiritual mother. I've got on skirts to drag the floor, wide skirts, damn near Barnum and Bailey looking ass skirts, okay? My head is wrapped. My chest is wrapped. It's the heat of summer, but I'm still wrapped up because I'm going to spend some time with my spiritual mom, and this is just how I dress. While waiting for the bus, guy comes up to me. He's eyeing me up and down, right? A woman walks past him. She got on one of them jersey dresses, right, the tube dress. And y'all remember them shades back in the day that would flap up real quick, they'd roll up? Well, the bitch is rolling the fuck up from the bottom and down from the top. And she's pulling one way and pulling the other. And every step is just a, you know, it's turning into a damn rubber band. He doesn't say anything to her. He don't even look at her. I don't even think he noticed her. Because as I'm looking at her and thinking to myself, oh, damn, sis, you need a little sticky tape or something to stop that from happening to you, a little hairspray, you need something, sister, damn. He's sliding up close to me to say to me the following, what you hiding up under all them skirts? Let's stop pretending that men are fucked up and sick because of what women wear. Hmm? Let's stop pretending that. This has nothing to do with whether he's aroused or not. It's everything to do with power. And men relate to power as domination and control, unfortunately. This is the way that men are socialized, trained, and where they naturally relate to power, domination and control. And when they feel that they are in control or that they're dominating a situation, they're pleased. Whether that situation creates a toxicity between the sexes, whether it creates an unsafe environment for women and girls to pass through the world or not, this is the way that they relate to and derive power. And there are many, many, many other different ways and forms that we see this made manifest. We're not going to get into it all here today. Like I said, I didn't want to be here too long. But I do want to say thank you to everybody who called in and who shared something. Um, It is on us, unfortunately, sisters, to make sure that we protect ourselves. The same way that it's on black people to make sure that they protect themselves. Black mothers are having conversations with their black sons about the way that the police is targeting them and viewing them as a full-fledged adult because black 
boys tend to grow quicker than white boys, and black girls tend to develop quicker than white girls. So we never really get to be children. We never really get to experience that protection in the first place. It's rare. Our parents raise us up, preparing us for the sadism that is being black in a white supremacist and Eurocentric world. The same way that mothers desensitize their daughters to prepare us to engage this world. So there's a whole lot of preparedness and not a whole lot of changing the dynamic. And I'm not trying to say that we're going to be able to do that tonight in this particular show. No, we're just trying to define some things and get clear on the many nuanced ways that the masculine can be diminished and resort to toxic, to being toxic and spreading that toxic, noxious mess around everywhere. And then what impact that has on the very receptive feminine frequency. I'm Triple Dark Goddess. This has been another Bitch House production, the Angry Demons Radio Show. I want to say thank you to everybody who participated and who called in. I really appreciate it. I'm really glad that we were able to have a discussion where everybody brought something to the table. Um, Don Calypso, really, I want to say thank you to you for, um, for giving us a masculine perspective and, you know, for being willing to even discuss this because as we talk, you know, we've, we've talked about how sisters can get very uh, one-sided in this. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate you being willing to come into the den of the lioness and shit. You know, it's real cool of you to do that. And I'll welcome you back so that we can discuss this the next time that we come in to talk about it. For everyone who's interested in signing up for the class, it is not too late. We are going to be cutting off admissions for the class this Friday. You can sign up. It's on our website. That's www.angrydivas.com. That's D-E-V-A-S. Get it right, boo. Y'all have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll see you in here tomorrow for Taboo Tuesday, baby.